Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Heroes Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Lugo, and today I have on the incredible guest, Lanisha Adams. It's great to have you on. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Nick. So, Lanisha, I absolutely love your 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 life story. Your I like to call it your origin story. So, I love to hear, first of all, your story, uh, how you grew up, and then also how you became the person you are today. Yeah, for sure. And... Uh, I'll give you the shortest version possible, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, A lifetime said in 150 words, go. No, just kidding. Um, I grew up in uh, Long Beach, California. Um, My parents uh, met in Linwood, which is like right next to Compton, California. So Southern California, Long Beach, LBC um, in the 80s. And um, I, my mom was was a teen mom and she had me when she was 16 and you know growing up she really emphasized the power of education and and like how important it was um to improve your life so the classic typical american dream like you you know you pursue education you do well and then your life will be better somehow even though i don't know if she lived that experience but she knew that that was true right she really believed it fundamentally Um, so I'll fast forward to when I was in high school in ninth grade, uh, had this teacher, Dan Bates, he was the chair of the department of English. He came up to me after hearing some stuff about me around campus, um, and said, Hey, like, uh, you should really apply for this scholarship. And I was like, Oh, okay. What, what is it? He's like, Oh, it's the Bill and Melinda Gates millennium foundation scholarship. I was like, how do I apply? How do I get it? And he's like, let me walk you over to the Career Center. So he's telling me about the scholarship as we're walking to the Career Center. And I was like, oh, I didn't know this existed. And, you know, it's like, yeah, this is where you come. They had a, a board, like old school board that showcased what scholarships were available, um, what you needed to do, deadlines, that kind of thing. And he introduced me to the person who ran that Career Center and said, she really needs to go for the scholarship. Not a lot of kids know about it, but she would be really great at it. So then the mm. person sat me down and we went through the requirement, eligibility requirements and I didn't meet it because I was in ninth grade and the scholarship is for you apply when you're a junior or a senior, when you're a rising senior in, in high school. So then I decided that this sounds like a really great deal. It's a 10 year scholarship. I knew at that point I wanted to be a professor of linguistics, uh, so I needed to get a PhD and, um, you know, 10 years of funding guaranteed if you got it. So, um, so I I spent the next, you know, few years of my high school career doing what I needed to do to look appealing to get this scholarship, which required tons of community service, um, you know, making an impact that was measurable, which is like a really powerful concept when you're like 15 years old. Yeah. Um, to like understand what what is that? What does that mean? What does that look like? Um, and then um, making sure you had like a bunch of letters of uh, recommendations that you could get from teachers. So I had to be in good standing. I had to, you know, ask them. I had to figure out what is required in this. And I had no one guiding me outside of that career counselor saying, "Here, here's the eligibility. This is what you need to do to apply." And it was a lot of work. So I ended up getting it senior year of high school. And that kind of charted me on my path to um, going from where I grew up to um, getting into college. And, um, and then when I was in college, I did two study abroads. 
I had an amazing mentor, Dr. Um, Don Formo at Cal State San Marcos, who kind of really helped shape and guide me. And then um, got into the master's program at Columbia University, completed that, lived and worked in New York City for about five years. And I left New Mexico to go to, uh, I left New York to go to New Mexico. And that's where I met my husband. That's where I finished my degree. That's where I worked in um, politics and policy and, and the legislature and really kind of got my footing for where it's catapulted me now. We moved to Washington, D.C. Um, I've worked in state government here and I um, created my company with the hopes and visions of helping folks map an adaptable path from learning to empowerment. So just like, you know, when I was a young person, I didn't know necessarily how I was going to get to my goal, but I had really good guides along the way um, to really kind of chart me on that path. And I failed to mention um, Aline Jindian, who was my ninth grade English teacher, who's a really good friend now, um, who she's the one who told Dan Bates about me. So that, that was like, I mean, that changed my life, you know, like if I'm yeah. thinking about it now, like what, 21 years later, um, super impactful. So. Wow. So, so let me ask you, so you grew up in a poor neighborhood. I'm assuming that you went to a poor school system, assist, you know, um, with kids who had, let's say poor mindsets, right. Were you one of the few that really, um, let's say made it out or did, you know, went on to do very big things or did you find that other people sort of came along with you? Um, when I was in elementary school, um, I didn't go to kindergarten. I started school in first grade and um, in second grade, I was tested for the gifted program. And mm -hmm. so I got hooked into that. And um, we had a really, really amazing educators in that within a really crappy kind of school. Mm -hmm. And then I'm friends with a bunch of those kids from that program because we were uh, together from second to fifth grade, or I got into it in second grade. But all those kids, they, they started in kindergarten and they were together until fifth grade. And yeah. so, but from second grade on, like, I know who those folks are. So those are like my friends. And um, a lot of them actually, same background as me, um, different, uh, you know, like ethnic background or whatever, but same like kind of economic background and they all were the ones I know on on Facebook they're doing really amazing things one's a dentist for the navy um one's an engineer um and so I like you know kind of scoped yeah. them out but they were in the gifted program right so if you're asking like you know okay well that's what made it different I think for me mm -hmm. given my background but then the other kids I don't I didn't know them that well so I don't know but I do think that it there is a difference there like right yeah. like being in this kind of program being exposed to different way of learning different way of being engaged by educators giving confidence that you know when you're in that program they told you and you didn't ha have any question you were smart capable able to do whatever you wanted to do and um that made a huge difference in my developmental years yeah, I always ask myself, and I think that's that's one of the main questions that you ask yourself in your company, which we'll we'll get to, is what is the reason why people succeed in education? You know, what is the reason why some people fall off the path, why some people drop out, and some people really do an incredible job and go on to live, you know, illustrious careers? And the the real question is, is it nature? 
or is it nurture, right? Like, are some kids just inherently flawed? They don't really fit into the system. Or is it, or is it something different, right? Is it that, you know, with, with this gifted program, the genius program, then you look back and you say, wait a second, maybe, you know, you, you take two kids who are in the same background, one who's in the genius program and one who's in the regular program. If you took the kid who's in the genius program and put them in the regular program, then it, it seems like there might be a similar result. I can imagine. I mean, I, I do a lot of research on Detroit public schooling and the public schooling in Chicago and all that. And I wonder, you know, how is it possible that so many children, you know, in these inner cities are just not making it out? You know, like they, they just have poor education. You, you look at the education inside those schools. And the, the problem is that they don't have a path. There is no path for them. There's no way for them to get out. You know, it's like if you have bad teachers, bad counselors, bad school systems, bad funding, like when all these things come together, it's like there's no way to make it out to college. And I find that, um, I find that, yeah, may, maybe, you know, people do need a path. So maybe that is a great introduction to your company at Linguist. What is the reason behind it? And, you know, what is, why is it important? Why do we really need a path in college or to college? Yeah, it's, it's paramount. Um, the reason why I created Ed Linguist was because I, I, there's a huge gap in terms of, okay, not only do you need a, if you come from a background where you don't have people sort of in college, you don't see them, you don't know. Um, maybe you have the idea, but you're like, that's a pipe dream. What's a pipe dream? It's in the pipes, you know, like it's, it's going to stay there behind the drywall, behind everything. And so it's like, let's bust through that. Let's bust open that drywall. Let's pull out the pipes and let's help you get to crawl through. And you might have to crawl really dig deep in the dirt crawling. And, and that's kind of the motivation, but it's really beginning with my story, right? And um, actually the catapult to create a company, because I never had the mindset before. I was always entrepreneurial, but I never thought I'd run my company and that's how I'd live my life. I, I actually... That wasn't my goal to get the PhD and then do that. I mean, you don't need a PhD to run a company. Yeah. But I had a really terrible experience. It, while I was my dissertation committee um, wasn't well suited for me. I'll say it that way. It's a nice PC thing to say. And um, I went to my dissertation defense and I failed. They So when you go to your dissertation defense, you're supposed to be like celebrating. They read your dissertation. They think it's awesome. They think you're ready. Boom. You defend. Kumbaya. You leave. You walk away with your degree. This is what happened to me. I go to my dissertation defense. People are like, this is amazing. The room was packed. And then <laughs> when, I, when I was sitting outside the room waiting for an answer of, did I pass, go and collect my, can I pass, go and collect my $200? My dissertation committee came out and said, you cannot pass, go. You cannot collect your $200 and don't have a reaction. Let's go back in here, hear what they have to say. They told me, you know, Lanisha, we really, your dissertation, you know, it just wasn't, it's not as excellent as it could be. Uh, we really wanted it to read differently. So we're gonna give you some edits. And I had exactly one month before I had to pay another set of uh, tuition fees mm -hmm. um, to do this revision. Well, they dragged their feet a month, two months go by. I was gonna walk away and, um, someone suggested to me that I maybe reach out to a dissertation coach. I didn't know that there was such a thing. And um, 
I ironically enough had done like a coaching class or thinking I might get into this, start a certification program, started a certification program, but didn't connect the dots like for my own life, you know? Mm -hmm. So I got a dissertation coach. I woke, I literally woke up every day. I cried my eyes out for one hour. Um, (laughs) I sat there and wallowed for another two, three hours. My husband would call me and say, hey, you need to take a shower. Hey, you should go outside. Hey, you should eat something. I did that. And then I would have a call with my coach and then I would write. And that was every day for three months, every single day for three months. It was like the worst part of my life, point of my life, uh, emotionally and um, in terms of struggle. Because I hear I was at this point where I thought I would be done and I wasn't. I mean, it's like such a huge, it was a huge blow. Um, So I got through that thanks to my coach, Gail Scroggins, who's amazing. And she really helped me kind of see, hey, you should do this too. She's like, now you're finished. You can help so many people. And I was like, what? Uh, I didn't know that, that I could do this thing. And, um, and three months later, I incorporated my entity because I'd been doing some consulting. And then I, I figured out I'd have a coaching practice where I really helped uh, folks get their way through school the PhD program, and then also help them map their way through college, to college and through college at whatever level. And then I do consulting, right, with education entities and with government leaders and um, education leaders to really help create uh, an infrastructure of support for people to empower them to navigate their own learning within school or outside of it, right? And um, I think that's really my motivation behind it. You mentioned something about you know, poor kids, um, not like it's not a lot of them not making it through. I think the mm-hmm. hugest piece has to do with mindset and it also has to do with opportunities, right? Um, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, you just give them, give them some money and they'll get, they'll, their life will be totally better. I think the thing that helped me was that I was able to get those resources to leave my environment. I don't think I'd be as successful as I was if I stayed seeing the people circling the pot circling and they're still there negative progression as uh one of my colleagues sharita boyle says they're just still there going like you're just watching them (laughs) they're not going nowhere but they're going around but they're not going anywhere i think i'd still be in that kind of position if i if that was all i knew if that's all i saw so um really propelled the the gates millennium uh scholarship really propelled me out of that station in order to get to somewhere else but i had guides along the way and that's really um, I really fundamentally believe that any, every single person, whether you're from a ghetto or you're not, if you have a dream, you can accomplish it, accomplish it, period. I don't yeah. think there's nothing standing in your way except those pipes <laughs> that you got to <laughs> bust through some drywall to get to and you start crawling and digging and, and getting your way there with some help yeah. along the way. I agree. I think it's funny. It's funny. It was really interesting. I never watched The Office. I don't watch The Office at all, but I watched an Office episode yesterday with my family and it was exactly that. It was Michael Scott goes into a poor neighborhood to a bunch of third graders and he says, hey guys, uh, I, all these like poor, uh, it was poor inner city black kids and he goes to them, right? These are like the stereotypical people who fall out of the system and he goes to them and he says, I am going to pay for all your college tuition. He's going to pay for all of it. And, um, and they're like, what are you talking about? But then, you know, as they started getting older, they're like, wait a second, this guy's really cool. This guy's awesome. Like, he's going to pay for my college tuition. And, um, and 
they all got together when they were all 16 years old and they invited him back to the school. And of course they ask him, they're, they're sort of like, you know, where's my money? Like all that stuff. But then they're also saying, you know, thank you. Right. Like you changed my life. And, um, and all of us are here ready to go to college because now we feel like we're worth something. You know, now we feel like we are, um, when we were in third grade, you know, there were so many people who said, oh yeah, I could have fallen off. I could have taken drugs and all those things. But at the same time, there, uh, there was that belief that, that Michael Scott, you know, obviously the person who said he's going to go to college, uh, he was going to pay for their college, instilled in them that you are worth something. You are worth college. You are worth, you know, um, like being something greater than where you are in your environment. And I even noticed that, um, that people don't believe that. People don't believe that they are worth more than the people around them. In inner cities, I obviously haven't been there, but um, I would. it seems like there's this pervasive sense of I'm not worth that much. And I also found that in my schooling, you know, I, I, I could be, you know, lucky to say that I was born to be in a, um, a higher level um, program and schooling. And, you know, even the people there sort of believe that they're not made to be something greater than what they were you know they're not made to be something greater than what their parents were they're they were you know if their parents were an accountant they were going into accounting if their parents were lawyers they're going into a lawyer uh lawyers you know and they they didn't have the courage or they didn't have the knowledge instilled in them to go out the mindset to go out and you know be something and make something of themselves and follow their hearts and things like that so i do think it really is interesting to see the mindset play out, you know, that real, that big belief of, you know what, maybe I could be better than my parents. Maybe I could be better than what society tells me to be. And I, I honestly, I don't see much of that around, which, which gets me a little, a little pessimistic, but it's all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's really, that that's the truth. And it, it, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, it, there's so much social conformity that is like a pressure it's like constantly pushing down on you you know like you you have to do this because socially it's unacceptable if you if you don't I mean I have a two and a half year old and I'm constantly grappling with that (laughs) oh he should be picking up his toys he should be more orderly no he should be free he should be playing and exploring his environment and maybe in five months I'll teach him you know like this is how you keep an orderly uh, sort of play area because you want to know where all your toys are. You know how you spend like 20 minutes looking for that dinosaur that you really love? Well, if you put it in the spot that I told you to put it in and here's where it lives, then you'll be able to go to it and get it and then you put it back. It's like a really good system, right? And those are really great habits to build. But socially, there's a lot of like, no, the kid has to do this, has to fit into this box in this way because if they don't look at how their life will be we don't know how their life is going to be in fact they don't even know what their life is going to be and neither do i like and i think that that is the really key point because in school it's always assumed and with parenting right it's always assumed i know how this will turn out because i'm older i've lived longer well you don't know shit sorry you know like you just don't all you know is what your experience was end of story you also know how things have worked or haven't worked according to your own experience so then how do i create an infrastructure of support to help 
maybe navigate some of those bad lessons learned. Yeah, you can go around some of those bad lessons learned. But look, we all have to learn our lessons. Some of us learn the hard way. I think we all learn hard lessons um, in various forms. So we really don't, we really don't know. I mean, I think that's a really powerful thing to say. Like I have a PhD, I have tons and tons of years of experience and education and I have all these certifications and blah, blah, blah. But there's so many things that I just don't know. And I'm comfortable with that. I think what people aren't comfortable with is saying that they don't know. And then we have a societal weird thing where people pretend like they do. And they were like, oh, this is what you should do. This is how you should do it. And then you're like, wait a second, I'm having a crisis. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't, I've been doing this and it, it doesn't satisfy me. It doesn't fulfill me. So then what are you to do next? Sitting yeah. there with all your degrees and accolades and whatever. I mean, what do you do? Like you should be living your life on purpose, of purpose, whatever you decide. And that's really hard when you're so focused on thinking and listening to what other people have to say about it um yeah, exactly and no, I, it, yeah. it really does it does kill me because i find that you know conformity especially right like wondering what other people think about you is such a it, it really it really hinders people's lives right like I, I find that the masses conform right and it's like the cost of breaking against you know let's say the tribe right if we're speaking in that sort of terms but the cost just essentially of breaking away from the social constructs you know like it's, it's that idea of being uh, like your parents tell you to be a lawyer in, in a movie, right? And you go to be an, uh, an artist, right? And, you know, it's, it's that idea of like, you know, your parents, your parents are going are gonna to give you a lot of crap because you're going to be an artist and, you know, they're, they're going to be like, oh, there's too much risk and all these things are going to happen. And I find that, you know, to, to be great, you need to take some risks, you know? Like, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, in the Genius Program, you were one of the few people who who took some risks, you know, had that positive mindset, were able to, you know, really, really follow your goals. So I must ask, what is, as a coach who's dealing with all these people, who some of them probably have the mindset, some of them probably don't have the mindset, what is it that makes some people really succeed and really, you know, go and follow their dreams? And what makes some people just, you know, follow the system or just fail? Yeah, it has to do with um, this belief uh, in one's capability. I think it's just that the genesis of it is, hey, I can I can do that. Um, and not I want to, and then you don't take any action. Uh, or I, I know I, I know I might be able to. You know you might be able to. That means you're not going to take any action. To me, that's the difference. When someone says, I can accomplish X and they are asking for help. They're ready. They're ready. And all they need at that point is a lot of like a really clear one definition of well, what is it that you want? I was just talking to a new client who came to me um, wanting to get a master's degree or he thought he wanted to get a PhD and um, it was like, after the end of our 20 minutes, he learned that actually he really wants to get a master's with a certification to be able to engage in some psychological practice. But he didn't know that he just heard like, oh, in order to be a psychologist, I need a PhD. Well, that's not true. You know, you have to look at your state guidelines, your state requirements, look at your whatever. And so we talked through that and it was just so fascinating because he said, until this conversation, I wasn't even ready to take any action. 
when we had that conversation, he was clear on step one. What is it that I really want? And can I, you know, I, I believe I can get it. How do I go get it? So now, you know, you don't need a PhD. You just need a master's, but you need a certification. Then we need to do more digging. Step two is the total hardcore action. So now we're going to start digging into some of these programs. You're going to get more narrow. You're going to decide, okay, this is how much I want to spend on this. We start looking, digging, digging, amass all your information. Step three, you really kind of just say, okay, I have about 10 possible um, options to get to that ultimate goal. I know that I can't really pursue all 10, so I have to make some choices. How do I make those choices? You need more information, right? Have you considered? You need questions, powerful questions from a coach or someone. Have you considered how much it might cost you? Have you considered that the program might offer scholarships? Have you considered any number of possibilities that maybe you aren't thinking about and you're, you're worried about things, but you're not turning those worries into powerful questions that you can answer and then move through? Because maybe, you know, going to, I don't want to name any universities, but maybe going to University X is so, so expensive, but the university down the street from your house isn't. And you can, you can achieve your, you can accomplish what you want by choosing the one close to your house and saving tons of money, right? But that kind of deliberation, that kind of thinking through is a really key part. And then the last step in this sort of goal progression is to apply. So you pick three to five places, you had a list of 10, you call it down, you apply, and then you wait and see what happens. And then the waiting and seeing what happens is the killing part, because then what are you gonna do in between? And that's, that's the piece where it's like, okay, you know you, you want to accomplish this, well, let's reconnect with your why, because it's the why that kind of outlines a kind of a philosophy of life, right? How you're going to, what, how you're going to think about how you live um that's part one part two is what are some of the things you can do to uplift some of those worries and concerns so that you have the right mindset of success mm -hmm. and then once we have the mindset of success we can manifest what we want and that's the power of intention that's like the gratitude like visualizing and being grateful and all the techniques that we learned from um, positive psychology to really help us attract what it is that we want to align with us accomplishing our pipe dream, right? Yeah. And it's amazing when you sit, when you do those things and you trust the process and you watch how it unfolds. It is amazing. It is amazing. Before I got a message from you about this podcast, someone challenged me to do a podcast every single week. I had done four in one month and they said, great. You already have done it. it. It was like a shock. It was a shock to my system. I opened, I, I, I took a week for me to believe that I could do it. And then I said, you know, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this, but I totally can. I opened my computer. Boom. There was your message. I'm not making this up. Wow. It's amazing. And then I got an email. Hey, you need to schedule this. So that's two in the month of December. And then I have to record one and it'll go live. That'll be three in the month of December in I'll give myself a pass because, you know, we only have three weeks because of the holidays. Yeah. So, uh, so then I can take that and really push myself to accomplish the next goal. But I don't really have a, I don't really know, right? I don't really know. I, all I know is that I know that I can and I will figure out how, right? And that's the, it's, it's uncomfortable. 
because we're we're taught so much when you know something like a you know you can go read a book and you can acquire this knowledge and then you can get tested on it and then you really prove that you know well that's one form of knowledge practical knowledge is different you have to take action and in ways that kind of highlight what it is that you don't know and that through the course of the action you will kind of it will like your feet will come more firmly on the ground so that you can it gels with okay this is how it's going to work for me because it's so experiential you can't really know it any other way yeah so there is uh it, it's it's interesting because i have two friends let, let me let me take you through their scenarios and you know let, let's see let's let's apply this so one friend is uh he goes to quimpiac university and he has his goal in college is to get a 3.99 gpa right because because he because he got a 3.9 his first semester and he wanted to end with 3.99 i was like you know he wanted the 4.0 i was like wow so he said he goes um i want i want to uh i saw i go so he's like i want to be in my master's i'm like why not apply to harvard right why not apply to whatever just name an ivy right and he goes you know, obviously, as the credentials, obviously, he goes, I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I'm good enough. I know. I know. And yeah. and then I, I was like, you know, what is it? And like, I'm asking myself, what is it that makes him not able to believe? And then there's another one that um, that is – so she believes, right? Uh, she wants to start up her own podcast, right? And obviously, podcasting, you know, it's something that – even like, you know, I wouldn't even say that the goal of this podcast is to go out and reach a million people and, you know, have everybody, have everybody listen to me. The, po- the goal is to, to go on a self-discovery journey, right? To, to discover myself through conversations with others, through learning, through, you know, having these conversations. And um, so I asked her, I go, when are, when are you starting up this podcast? When is this podcast starting up? She goes, ah, maybe six months in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I've been planning it out. It, like you know, it's gonna take a while. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm laughing because so many people do this. It's, it's oh, terrible. Yeah. It's so terrible. It's like they they they're holding themselves back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so so what, they believe. Yeah. So I think your friend, the guy, right? He's the guy. The first yeah. one. He believes that he can. He's trying to. Okay. So his three point nine nine. My guess would be he's he's having to do it to prove something to himself and to others, right? That he's smart enough, X enough, whatever enough, because he fundamentally doesn't believe it. And he thinks if he accomplishes that, it will prove that for him, right? Mm. Now, if he can then take that same sort of fire he has to get the 3.99, which reflects how hardworking he is, how successful he already is, how he's going to get that Harvard degree, whatever it might be, if he can take that same fire that propels him to get that 3.99 and putting into unpacking, why don't I believe I'm good enough? Because that is a, that's like an emotional process. Yeah. You have to journal about that. You have to ask those questions. Who told me I wasn't good enough? It's not him. It's coming from somewhere. Somebody must have told him or implied to him that he wasn't. And look how amazing he is. The same thing has happened to me. I mean, and I have to fight that thing. It's called an inner critic. We all have it every damn day because it's like, you're not going to be perfect. 
but you're going to progress towards something. What is it? If you constantly beating yourself up, it's not going to be much of anything. So he have to, he has to unpack that. He totally can. I don't know if he can do it alone. I think he could totally do it if he gets a bunch of questions, start journaling and really unpacking that. But if he can apply that same passion to, to figuring that out, nothing, nothing. And I hope he listens to this. Nothing will stand in his way. Guarantee it. Give him my number. He can totally call me. I'll gas him up and we will go get that Harvard degree. Whatever, he, whatever. Tell him. I will. Let me, let me, let me say, let me, uh, give you give you something that really really changed my mindset and this was something that i was thinking about so obviously i wrote a book this year um actually it just came out so i'll put it on the amazon link below um Boom. yes yes for the first time it just congratulations <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> thank you so so here's here's the thing i noticed that when i i set my goal toward i set myself towards the highest aim possible i said i was going to write a book at 19 and it was, it was, I got to say, it was, it was a terrible, right? It was awful, right? Like the writing 19? process. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, um, I, I set myself towards this aim and I realized that throughout this time, my room was so clean and I'm like, you know, I, and it was, it's weird because you're like, what's the connection? And I noticed that every time I'd sit down, I'd be like, all right, I got to start typing. I got to get stuff done. I'd start cleaning out my room. I'd start, I'd start, you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd get a, I'd get some food, you know, I'd do something else. I'd be like, Oh, let me just write in my journal for a little bit. I do all these things. And, um, and everything that would stop me from sitting down and getting, getting to typing because it was such a difficult thing. I had to devote so much mental stress, mental capacity, but you yeah. know, like, uh, cognitive ability to this one thing and my room became so clean like it was <laughs> and and that's the thing uh, I found that throughout my life <laughs> throughout my life previously I spent all this time going for lower aims going for cleaning my room you know uh, doing doing you know getting the 4.0 in school instead of maybe getting a 3.8 and pursuing something extra and um, and I realized that it was just because I didn't want to take the risk. I wasn't willing to take the risk. I didn't want to go out and do something spectacular because first of all, I feared failure, right? Like what happens if I release this book? And first of all, I don't finish the book or it flops, right? And at the same time, it's, I am going, I don't like my brain is telling me, don't put all this mental effort. This is too much. You're killing yourself, right? And not, you know, like you're, you're putting a lot of emotional stress in yourself, but at the same time, it's, it's something that is, you know, like pushing yourself is a good thing. Like, I think, you know, we all need to push ourselves to our limits and we all need to pursue our potential and figure out how far we could go. And pursue our potential. What happens if we don't? What's the worst that could happen if yeah. we don't? We still in the same stuff that we're sitting in and doing, like we're still getting the same results and we're safe. We're so safe that we, we don't even know how to pursue what it is that we want. Well, that's the thing we that scares can't. me. Yeah, I do wonder, you know, so pursuing our potential is something that's so internal. And people often say, you know what, maybe I don't need to pursue my internal potential, right? Like the best person that I could be. Maybe they're saying, I want to pursue my, my financial potential and see how much money I could possibly make. Or I want to pursue my, you know, um, let's see 
maybe like relationship potential and see how far I can go. Or maybe, you know, like a college kid, right? If we're thinking about it this way, they're trying to pursue their um, pleasure potential in how many, how many, you know, how much, how much partying can I do? How many, you know, like how much drinks can I do? Like all this stuff, you know, my friends, when they decide to drink, you know, like they always, they always set goals for ourselves. Like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to drink this amount of beers and all this. So, I play that game. <laughs> so I think, I think that's, that's the biggest problem is that we always have a goal. There's always some potential that we're trying to pursue. Maybe it's just not the right aim. Maybe it's just not the right goal. Because or it's not three- connected. Yeah. It's not connected to, to, to your core the essence of who you are. Yeah. The goal of drinking 10 drinks in one night, what the hell does that have to do with anything? It has to do with other people's external expectations. What's the goal of getting 3.9? So that you get summa cum laude when you graduate, so your parents are proud, so that people say, you could tell your friend Nick, hey man, look, I busted it. I got this 3.9 night all the way through. What he's not saying is he fundamentally didn't believe that he could do it, and he proved to himself he could. But why? That, I think, is we, we have these goals. You're right. A lot of people are like, I really want to run a marathon one day. I really want to, I don't know, swim or oh, bike across country. I really want to walk from my house, which is 10 miles from the White House, to the White House. <laughs> I don't really want to do that. But my husband does, and he wants to get me to do it with him maybe one day we'll do it, you know, but why, <laughs> why would I do that? <laughs> I did it or does it have some other meaning that's really essential for me and my, what, what it is, what it means to me for me, because, you know, a lot of these goals, I think people have them because they're like externally motivated, especially if, if they're like related, if they're tangible, like, and, and very, hardcore tangible like a degree yeah. i mean that it, it it look it doesn't have any real meaning outside of whatever you ascribe to it and and then how you use it but you gotta use it i know somebody with a jd a master's of library science degree you would think <laughs> they'd be a law, law librarian are they do you think they're a law librarian with this these credentials i mean g- given the context probably not they not and if you had were to ask me why, was it because they don't have, I mean, what, what do you need to be a law librarian? You already got the degrees. You need the network. You need to apply. You need to try and go and get it. Have they? Yeah. The answer is no. So how are you going to get there if you say that you fundamentally believe it, you've got everything you need, and then you do nothing. You sit, you sit with that. Yeah. Well, we'll just, we'll just wait. And you'll <laughs> keep sitting there until... <laughs> I don't know until you decide or you don't, or maybe you changed your mind and that's fine. But I think when we're thinking about our goals, like you were just kind of laying out, it's like, we should know our why and the why has to be personal to us. It has to connect back to some meaning that that's essential for our being and our well-being, the better version of us. Right. I don't think, I don't think people realize how hard this process is and how long it takes. Like what we're talking about here is when you say your why, right? Something like discovering your why, your purpose, the reason why you're doing this. This is not like, okay, let me just sit down and write in my (laughs) notebook of the things that I want, right? Like the things that I consciously want and think would be good for me. It's like, no, you actually not only have to discover, align all your values together, but you also 
to sort yourself out in this way, you have to get in touch with your emotions, right? What is actually driving me? You know, for the for someone who's doing a 3.99 GPA, it's like, what is driving me to get that 3.99 GPA? And how can I use that to pursue a goal that, you know, that is going to be, let's say, more fulfilling or, you know, like will last longer. So, you know, this process, you know, like, I, I think the essential theme of this podcast, I'm going to write this down because maybe that's the title. It's going to be sort yourself out, right? Like there needs to be some way to go in and sort yourself out, not only, you know, um, consciously to be like, all right, this will give me a good life. But at the same time to figure out your why, your drives, your motivations, what is pushing you to be the best person that you want to be. And actually, then the final step, to sort yourself out, and I'm sure you'd agree with me on this, is to put it all together and to bring some sort of unity towards, you know, if, if I really want to pursue this goal of, for me, my goal is to, you know, help as many people as possible in a, in a general sense, right? So if I want to do that, then I'm not going to go drink 10 beers a night, right? Then I'm not, <laughs> right? Like that is, that is not part of it. And to really align all your values in that with your unconscious motivations, your conscious drives, and your actions, putting those three together, that is, you know, first of all, that takes time. And at the same time, that is what you really must do. That's the journey. And you know, you don't do it once and think you're done. You do it throughout the course of your life. I think most people should do it at every major transition that they undergo. Hmm. Um, and that will help you be more in tune with the, the changes that you undergo. I mean, I gave you the story of my life until I was about 30 years old. And it took me from the time I was, what, 18? Well, I defined the goal when I was 15. I believed I could get it at that time. Mm -hmm. And then I did. It took 15 years to get to that point, right? I had some stops along the way or whatever. But um, I will say that I only had my life goals up to that point. I didn't have any after that. I got married. Uh, at the same time that I, the same year I finished my degree. So I didn't really believe, I didn't really think like, oh, I, I have these goals of five kids and whatever. I, I, I didn't have that. That wasn't my focus at all. Traveling, getting to 50 states, I have four left, getting my PhD. <laughs> and uh, that's about it. And maybe getting married, maybe. I didn't really care. Yeah. And so after, thir I'm 36, I'll be 37 next year. After 30, I had a little crisis because I didn't know what I wanted to do for my life. I had accomplished all my goals. Who, this is amazing, right? I, on the one hand, I'm like, I accomplished all my goals. What, what do I have to live for? I could die tomorrow. I'd be happy. I'd be a happy clam. But not really, right? Because some of those goals are not as enriched as they, you know, they're so like technical kind of, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you, did the thing. you, don't, you don't graduate college to graduate college. You graduate college for something else. Right, right. And it's like, well, you worked at almost every level of education, except I've never ran a university. I mean, maybe, but that's not my goal. But I, I accomplished all the goals. So then I have to come up with new goals. And then it's like, well, what do you do at that moment? Well, I got a coach. So I had my dissertation, and I got a coach to help me kind of sort out, okay, well, maybe, you know, you're not really thinking that deep enough about what it is that you want accomplish for your actual life so I wrote an obituary <laughs> when I was 30 so that really? I could say if I were to die since since you did everything you want write your obituary then and then it, it taught me that exercise was powerful 
maybe I actually haven't accomplished all my goals. I thought I did, but I actually didn't. I accomplished some, some of those goals so that I could get from my, where I was to where I wanted to be, but where I was at wasn't where I actually wanted to be now because so many things had changed my perspective, changed who I was. I'd gotten married. I have another, I have a life partner. They have their own set of things that they want and we have to figure out how to make it work together. Then, um, so, you know, I go a few years later, I have a kid, I have my first kid. Yeah. Now I'm a mom. What? <laughs> a working mom. What does that mean? What does that look like? I don't know. I mean, I can tell you some ideas, but I can't tell you, like I thought about it so deeply, like before I'm navigating it, right? Then now I have another kid. What? During the pandemic. And then it's like, wait, I don't have childcare. So now I'm really in a bind. So I have to kind of go through these exercises that we're talking about to really refine. What is it that I want? What is it that I want for my, now I, it gets complicated. What is it that I want for myself? Truly me without all my attachments. Cause now I have a few, I have a husband, yeah. I have two kids, I have a business, <laughs> I got other family, you know, it's like, wh what is it that Lanisha wants? Okay, great. What is it that I want for my kids? What is it that I want for my marriage? What is it that I want for my variety of all of us as a unit? That's a lot of moving parts. I don't have the answers there. I don't, I don't. But I know that um, through this process, I can really refine it and I can really kind of dance with it more, right? And so I, I just say all that because I think it's important, like, we might get to a point where everything's clear, refined, we're super happy, and then something's gonna mess it up and we're gonna have to go through the messiness again. And that's life. And I think if we have the right mindset, right, for, for this as part of our process, it will help enrich us, enrich what we are defining for how we live, for how much more we live. I mean, I, I think that's, that's where it's at. At least that's the truth as I see it and know it. Well, that's, oh, I mean, it, it's funny because you, you say that. And um, did you know that 47% of all PhD students feel, uh, have a spout of depression after they graduate? You'd expect that when they, gra you know, after they graduate, they're on top of the world and they're, they're living, they're doing all these things. But if you really think about it, they're sad. They just spent the first, let's say, 30 years of their life trying to do something that seemed impossible you know they had this tremendous goal but their end goal was not let's say um was not let's say get a job or do anything like that it was graduate college right like do everything you can possible to graduate college and 47 percent of them feel a sense of depression almost half feel depression and it's really really scary to see that us humans are almost nothing without goals right? Without something to push us forward and make, make ourselves better. And, um, and trust me, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling it right now, you know, I just published a book, right? So you'd expect, <laughs> I pressed that button yesterday, I pressed it, felt happy for about 10 minutes. And then I was like, what's next? Right? What's next? <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know, is, is publishing a book my end goal? It's like, maybe it's part of it, but it's, it's not the end goal. And I think we always you, need to. Did you celebrate? I did a little celebration. I did. What, what I did, did you do? Well, we we were. Uh, it, it was more of a COVID celebration. So I went. I went in a few Facetime calls and hung out with my friends. That was about it. And
Yeah, and be. <laughs> I think you have to do something that in a more, even more celebratory way. Okay. Um, I think that's the. I wanted to interject that because, yeah, we. I think we do these. We have these goals. We set out to do them, and maybe they're not that deep, right? Or maybe they are. But we spent all this time trying trying to do it, and we did it. So we have to celebrate the accomplishment of it, and we have to do it up, and we have to do it right. I think um, that's one of the things I, I I learned through my coaching process, and and um, is I learned it when I was uh, receiving excellent coaching, and then I incorporated my own practice, where um, essentially, you know, it's like, okay, great, I did this, I'm wondering what's next, but let me spend. How long did it take you to write the book? 12 months. Let me spend one month celebrating every single day. Nick, <laughs> I challenge you. I challenge you. And what's, 12, what's, what's one month? You spent 12 months trying to do it. What's one month of pure celebration, of honoring it, of honoring you in what you accomplished? And that doesn't stop uh, you going for your next thing. It just, it's important. Like, I think we forget that because we're, I think socially in the U.S. anyway, we're constantly pushed to go, 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 go. Um, you know, onto the next thing. You're probably in classes. You're figuring out the next semester. You're about to graduate soon-ish or sometime. I, I, what's next? Oh, go, 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 go. I mean, but what's a month-long celebration look like for Nick Lugo having accomplished his book? I want to know the answer. I'm going to be following up with you about that, sir. You know what? I don't know the answer, so maybe. <laughs> no, you're gonna start with another celebration tonight. I don't know what it is, but I want you to figure it out and tell me. And then also, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna be harassing you for the next month because I want to know what your celebrations are for each and every day. You spent 12 months writing this book, and you're gonna celebrate for one month. Maybe you didn't know all the details of the book. I think when you told me before you started, you didn't know. So it's the same process for the celebration. The difference is that you get to honor you as the center of it. Cause like, look at what you did. It's huge. It's massive. I think it's amazing. Interesting. I actually noticed that in my own life. You know, I, I could, I could say that I, uh, you know, if we talk about mindset, like if you place me in a box, my box is I am the grinder who's willing to work the 80, 90 hour weeks, hundred hour weeks. And, you know, I did that during the book. I'm not really doing that now because, you know, I, I, I did say, I'm like, yeah, you know, that, that is a little much, but, um, but I noticed, you know, I would sit there, and I would work my, you know, like, especially during book writing time, I was doing the book podcast and schooling at the same time. And I was sitting there. And yeah. Yeah. My friend equated it to three full-time jobs. And I was like, you're, that's about right. And, um, and I was sitting there and I would put in, you know, 12, 13, whatever hour days. And he would tell me, I, I, I would, I would, you know, I would be dead by the end of it. And then the next day I would wake up and I wouldn't want to do it. I'd be miserable. You know, I'd be, I'd be struggling. And then I talk, I had a conversation with my dad and he goes, you need to reward. You need to give some sort of reward for your success. At the end of the day, you put in your 12 hours. That's fine. Like, you know, like you worked hard. Congratulations. How do you celebrate? How do you celebrate? Because if you don't, then it's just going to be a life where you're a rat running on a wheel and you never, you, you know, like the wheel is supposed to power the electricity, but at the same time, you're not getting the electricity, you're giving it to someone else. And, um, and he goes, he goes, you need to celebrate. So I might have to take you up on that one month of pure celebration. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. And I am, the accountability I, part. 
I, I don't want to hear, I don't know. I'm an accountability partner. And I'm going to ask you every single day until January 9th, or what's today? I don't even know what today is. 11th until January 12th, until January 12th. Nick, what did you do to celebrate the accomplishment of writing and publishing your book? And I want it to be something different every day, a little bit different. It could be, I had 10 or call five people and we, you know, really did it up. A dance and music, I don't know, to that. Or I, I don't know, ran out with no shirt. I, I mean, you know, because it's winter and maybe you need a little jolt to your system. I don't know, but it's going to have to be something that you do to celebrate. I think that's really important. And I, I really add that for my um, clients. And I emphasize it for myself. I can't always remember to accomplish certain things, but um, my husband does it because he loves any kind of partying, any kind of anything that is fun. <laughs> so I have a really great partner, and it, it's like celebrated. Like he finished, he's um, on the COVID task. He's a U.S. Public Health Service officer. So he's deployed, wow. right, domestically to help with the pandemic. And um, he switched from the task force that was focused on swabs um and now he's going to be he's uh going to focus on the vaccine he's trained as a pharmacist works for the fda nine to five traditionally but during this um you know pandemic he's been focused on um, COVID 19 relief so now he's on this one committee that is doing some really amazing stuff you know the fda just under vaccine so happening there were three we pop open. I'm back until I was gone for a whole month. Uh, I was in for an emergency family thing. We just got back this week. Um, and we popped open a bottle of Prosecco. And <laughs> during dinner, we drank our Prosecco and we cheers. And uh, the kid had his little city cup and we cheers with him. And <laughs> it was super fun. And it was not even a long time. You know, it was like a really, but it was deliberate. It was a deliberate action to, that we took to say, we got to mark this in time and it and it, it felt good you know it felt awesome and the prosecco was nice <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do think that's important i do i do think that's important you're right i think you know most people really struggle with especially you know so you graduate you celebrate and let, let, let me ask you with this so there was a um there was a story i heard it was it was one of my friend's brothers uh her brother while he was graduating he was actually so he's walking up to the graduation, um, the graduation, let's say, you know, like to get his diploma, right? The stage, <laughs> he's walking to the stage and he's crying because he, he says he's going to miss college and he's going to miss all the, all the amazing experiences. And I do, I do wonder, it's like, you know, do we not, do we not intentionally, you know, celebrate, right? Like, you know, obviously he should be celebrating. Hey, I graduated. Like that was awesome. But at the same time, he was miserable going into it. And then at the same time, you have 47% of PhD students who are depressed afterwards. It's like, why don't we celebrate? And um, I think, I think it's because we don't know what's next. And also it's not, it's, it's not natural to celebrate. I think we have to be deliberate and the very nature of the being deliberate means you have to be intentional. You have to think, hey, wait a second, there's something that died here, actually. What died? What dies is the end of whatever that process was. The end of schooling, right? As you know it, you're done. 
and you greet you there is a grief associated with that death because it's the end of something and that is sad i mean because it's the end i mean shit what are you gonna do but yeah. it's the end do 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 <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> my mom brain she's had a, i had a moment right there with baby shark <laughs> the end and those fish are gonna get eaten which is the best part if you've ever watched that video um kid no idea it's so funny at the same time so it's the end of something and it's the beginning of so many more things but that's not comforting that's also equally scary and sad because what is it i don't know uh it's over there somewhere but guess what we do know we know that in be in the in between, right? In in the in between of that death and that new beginning, is me in the moment and where I am, and that is worth celebrating because that's all we got. That's all we have. That's all we have in the here and now. That's all we have temporally. That's all that's real in that moment in time. So why not? It's yeah. amazing. The plans, the what the past is the past. The plans are out over there. But in the moment, in the now, is where you are, and you should be. I do think. I do think it's an interesting. It's an interesting like um, balance that needs to be done. It's like the balance between we 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 established this earlier that we need goals. We always need goals. We always need something to strive for. Because again, if you graduated at thirty, you would be sitting there and you'd be like holy crap, I could die now and I'll be okay. It's like, no, you need another goal to pursue. And then you're going to, you know, like you're going to have something to push towards and strive towards. But at the same time, you can't be completely oriented towards the future. You can't be oriented towards the end goal, towards the journey, uh, towards the, towards the result. Because obviously, you know, I think, I think there's that, there's that commonly accepted idea that it lies in the journey and what you're really saying is that lies in the present moment the here and now is all that we have and there's something beautiful about you know enjoying the the process and enjoying the the fulfillment that comes with that comes with achieving a goal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I totally that resonates with me so much and it's it's a hundred percent true it's just it's hard to get to that point of realization though, because so much externally is, is we've talked about, which is go, 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 um, do, do, do. And in order to appreciate, you have to deliberate and you have to reflect on what has come to pass and where you are and how amazing it is, whatever it is. It's hard to do. I know. I know. It, It really, it really does scare me. And I do think that the people who are listening to this hopefully got a little something. They hopefully got just some way of, you know, understanding, first of all, how hard it is to, uh, to really go on this journey, to really go and discover yourself at the same time, to hopefully be able to figure out, you know what, maybe, maybe I should orient myself a little, a little higher, a little, maybe, maybe I should give myself a little higher aim and hopefully, um, and this is, this is, this is the fun part. Um, (laughs) Um, they could go to Ed Linguist Solutions with, <laughs> with Dr. Lanisha Adams. Okay, so final question, and this is really it. Um, where can people find you? Where can people find you? You know, like uh, you've given so much, yeah. uh, we would say value. And if people are actually looking to be coached, where can they actually find you? Yeah, you can find me on my website, edlinguist.com. Um, if you want to find me, you can slide into some DMs. I'm a big fan of Twitter. I'm always on Twitter. Um, 
and my uh, and I use Instagram as well. And my handle is at edlinguist. That's E D I L I N G U I S T. And um, I am so happy to connect with folks. Like I mean, people can reach out to me and I'll respond. And even if you wanted to talk or make it come to life a lot more, you do a complimentary conversation, thirty to forty-five minutes, and we can. Uh, I talked to two people. I didn't even sign them up as clients, but it was so powerful for me to help people figure out, okay, I, I want to get this next degree. Uh, I had one student who was a high school student um, going into college and kind of had this crisis. So I don't know if I'm even going to go anywhere because they miss all the application deadlines from the fall. And it was, it was amazing to spend 30 minutes with this young person. And I don't know if they're going to come back for services. And honestly, I don't really care because I got so much out of that connection. And, and I think it's important because I run a business and I do have to focus on the bottom line. I think I'm ultimately in the business of sharing, connecting, and uplifting people. And I, I get something out of that process too, whether it's financial or not. So please connect with me. And um, yeah, I'm happy to keep the conversation going onward and upward mm-hmm. and yes and the links will all to her website to her twitter to her instagram will all be in the description in the description so lanisha adams thank you for coming on mm-hmm.